Welcome to Econ on the Go. Now that we've finished our discussion of game theory, we can move on to talk about oligopoly industry structures, which are ones where players' choices affect each other and therefore the outcome in the market. We'll also talk about the Bertrand pricing game, one of the models of oligopoly behavior. Oligopolies are market structures where there are a small number of firms, each with some market power. This industry structure model sits between the perfectly competitive market, where there are lots of firms, and the monopoly market, where there's only one firm. Typically, there are barriers to entry in the short run in oligopoly markets. These are things like quality or differentiation between the products or services that are offered, some access to scarce resources that not everyone can get, patents or regulatory protection that prevent others from selling products or services, or scale or capital costs, which can be barriers, but are not as strong as the others. I like to think of them as hurdles because if you have a good enough return, someone will give you the capital to fund your idea. Regulatory agencies in many countries use multiple methods to assess when oligopoly power is too strong. The first one is looking at the market share of the players in the industry, and usually they use the Herfindahl-Hirschman Index, or the HHI, which is the sum of squares of the market shares of all the players in the market. If that sum of squares is greater than some number, the Department of Justice in the U.S. uses a number of about 1,800, then it's considered a highly concentrated industry and is one where the regulators will make sure that market power is not being exerted to anti-competitive effects. The second way regulatory agencies look at a market is by analyzing the cross-price elasticities. If the cross-price elasticity is zero, it means choices for one product have no impact on the outcomes in the other product's market, and so those markets are not connected. But if you see significant elasticities, the cross-price elasticity, it means choices in and the change in price for one product are going to affect the outcomes of the other products, and therefore those markets are connected. The market definition is a key debate in all of these analyses for the regulatory agencies. How narrowly you define the market or how broadly you define the market will influence things like cross-price elasticities and market shares that you calculate. And so there's a lot of attention which is devoted to what is the definition of the market, the geographic scale, the customer segment scales, etc. If we think about an example like the beer market, the beer market, we can think of a very tight definition of just beers in a certain country. But the beer manufacturers may say, well, that's not who we're competing with. We're competing with other types of alcohols, alcoholic drinks like wine or hard liquor. And in fact, it's not just the beer market in the United States, it's the beer market worldwide. So if you look at our share of the entire alcohol market worldwide, it's really, really small. Yet the other side will argue, yes, but in St. Louis, your share of the beer market is really, really big. So how you define the market is going to matter. Oligopolies typically select both the price and the capacity or the quantity at which they sell in the market, but we analyze them separately to help us understand one dimension at a time. And so first we're going to talk about when oligopolies select their price, and that's the Bertrand game. It's a classic pricing game where players choose their price and then the market demand curve determines how much is sold. The Bertrand game assumes two firms with a homogenous good that they're selling, meaning the same good have identical costs and unlimited capacity. They can satisfy the entire market if they want to. The Bertrand pricing game is a simultaneous move game, which means both players or multiple players choose their price at exactly the same time without knowing the price that the other player is selected. 
And the outcome of the game is that the lowest price wins. Whoever selects the lowest price wins the entire market. And if two players or more than two players share the lowest price, then those players with the lowest price split whatever market there is between them evenly. In equilibrium, both players, we assume Bertrand generally is two players. It doesn't help that much to add more players. In the two-player Bertrand game, both players price at marginal cost, which is the perfectly competitive outcome. And the reason we see that outcome is that as you're thinking through how to play the game and the expected response of the other player, you realize that if you price above marginal cost, they're likely going to undercut you slightly in order to win all the volume in the market, which means you want to undercut whatever price you think they have, which means they'll undercut you, you'll undercut them, etc. as you make this mental process back and forth to decide what price to set. And where you'll stop this and write your number on the piece of paper to submit the price is when your price equals marginal cost. But that assumes that there's no profits. In an oligopoly market where firms are choosing price, you'd still expect them to be earning some profits. So why is the Bertrand game not that realistic? Well, remember back to the assumptions we made, homogenous goods, identical costs, and unlimited capacity. We can start to break down those assumptions and see what happens when firms do not have identical costs or when they're not selling the exact same product or service, when they have limited capacity, and finally, when they're not competing with each other, when they're colluding. With asymmetric costs, players with the lower costs win, and they just undercut the higher cost firm to win the whole market. The higher cost firm will still aim to set their price at marginal cost, and the lower cost firm won't have to drop their price all the way down to their cost level. They'll price just below the higher cost firm and gain the entire market share. The incentive, therefore, for firms in a Bertrand pricing game with asymmetric costs is lower your costs, because if you have lower costs, you can lower your price and win the entire market. This is good for consumers, too, because consumers pay lower and lower costs as firms compete. The second way Bertrand may not be realistic is product differentiation. And if we have product differentiation and assume now we have the same cost structure, then players can raise their prices because the winner does not take all. If I raise the price of the good that I'm selling and you keep your price the same, well, I'm not going to lose volume because some people like what I'm selling more than they like what you're selling. The incentive now is for firms to invest in R&D or marketing or both to differentiate the products that they're selling. This also can be good for consumers because they get more tailored products, but the price is now above marginal cost, and so they're losing some of the consumer surplus they would have otherwise, potentially. With limited capacity, the third Bertrand constraint, players can raise their prices because the other player can't take the entire market share. If you're constrained in the capacity that you can serve, there's no incentive to keep lowering your price because you can't serve the entire market. Now the incentive is to restrict output in the market, but you have to be aware of regulators because they recognize that if you're doing this only to raise your profits, it's, uh, it's anti-competitive and therefore illegal. Finally, if the players are colluding with each other, you can just agree to split the monopoly profits. But again, this is illegal according to most countries, and it's very hard to agree or set that contract in such a way that the other side won't cheat on you anyway. So that's the Bertrand pricing game. Two players with homogenous goods, identical costs, and unlimited capacity means you price at marginal cost. But when you relax all those assumptions, you get outcomes where price is above marginal cost and the firms can actually earn a positive economic profit in the market. That's the Bertrand pricing game. In the next episode, we'll talk about the Corno and Stackelberg models where the firms aren't setting their price, they're setting their quantity. Yeah.